What the fuck is that tape? What the fuck? Oh shit. From your secret friend. Oh, it's a sultry voice. Is Gordon black? Dude, it's you. You're Gordon. I thought you were in that movie. Having a clue. Let's play a game. Just damn, bro. Any of this mean anything to you? This is this is seeming real dark. Oh shit! Pattinson, bro, looking kind of nice. Oh shit, bro. You're becoming quite a celebrity. Why is he writing to you? Oh fuck. The villain is the Riddler, right? And Penguin. If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? Oh my god, bro. emo makeup too bruh oh my god bro what i am vengeance <laughs> bro, he's just killing people like that bro he he bro he beat that dude to death for sure brutal like, there's no way he broke his arm he hit him like six times the dude fell he jumped on top of him hit him like four more times looked up i am vengeance oh man i'm fucking ready right i didn't think i was gonna like robert pattinson bro i wasn't a believer i but was you know, on the you, fence you, you convinced me to watch lighthouse i actually watched lighthouse and i and then after that i was like okay like i can he can do dark stuff yeah but dude that movie seemed like just hella dark like batman is fucking dudes up now bro like just oh man i'm that's pretty exciting that's that's the energy we're trying to roll with today. Absolutely. We talked about it a little bit, uh, me and JR, and it's like a broken, not a broken, but an unbalanced Batman where everything's not so coordinated and uh, calculated. It's like emotion. And that's what, that's what I got from that trailer is that he's just going to be a little unhinged, which I'm fucking here for. That looks yes, fucking dude. rad. Yes. Like, I'm here for that as well. I am vengeance. I'm about to get that tattooed on my chest. <laughs> Oh, yes. So hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, the show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. Oh, man. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me, as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, J.R. Gonzalez. Sup, Jordan? 
Sup, JR. We're over here just just watching Zach ride this high from the Batman yeah. trailer, and, and it's yep. uh, it's it's something. It's it's a sight to see. It's it's exciting. It, yeah. That's Bro, fun. did you guys see his Batmobile too? Though it looked like a converted, like old school, like yeah, mu- American to... muscle Dodge Charger yeah. with like a bunch of different added like jets and shit to it. Bro, is Robert Pattinson about to just like take this role and? make my all my dreams come true like i i didn't think i would ever root for edward cullen right <laughs> but now here i am like scream is this this is what girls must have felt like when like fucking what's that movie called twilight twilight came out this yeah. is it like i'm the same like i'm not i'm not i'm no different at this point i'm screaming You're at a trailer edward. we should uh <sighs> we should all go to the theater for the premiere wearing glitter on our face just to support him <laughs> bro for that trailer i'm pretty much ready to do whatever my brother brandon sent me a meme that was the picture at the very end of his eyes like all eyeshadowy you know <laughs> it's like he for sure was a young boy where and his father took him to see a marching band because <laughs> <laughs> that's about as gerard yeah. way as you can look <laughs> a fucking i feel like costume. we're about to get like punisher emo batman like we're gonna get like emo emotional batman who like takes it out on villains and goes too far and like kills people and shit and is trying to find the line between like where like what justice is and what being like a part of the problem is oh yeah like i feel like he's gonna be wrestling with that line in this movie and that's a that's amazing because i feel like every adaptation especially film adaptation of batman we've already seen has pretty much like clearly established that line already and so even when there's fight scenes the fight scenes are very like controlled like the the batman always seems to be in control and if he's not in control you know that he's still not going to like go overboard and actually kill anybody and i love to see that this batman is even more human because it's just like i feel like you watch some of those fights and you're like come on bro you know you just want to hit him like one more like just break just break that arm bro you got him in the arm bar just just twist that a little bit and i love to see that this guy had no hesitation, bro. Not even an ounce. Like his that dude's arm was broken before he even threw the punch in Batman's mind. Like he was like, bro, I'm gonna about break every bone in your body, and I'm just <sighs> <laughs> absolutely Get emotional. Get emotional. Just wait till you go to uh freeze frame of uh the penguin and see if you can find Colin Farrell in there, because you can't. There's just no way. He does not look like Colin Farrell. The only way you can tell is Colin Farrell. With the penguins in that? So yep. there's a brief cut of him with pouring down rain and it's his face. And then there's a little cut of him in the past or in the driver's seat going, this guy is crazy. And that's the only time you can really tell is Colin Farrell is the voice. Everything else about him, he just is completely dove into this character. So I'm here for that. Uh, it, it's it's going to be phenomenal. But that's not why we're here today. And I haven't even introduced published author and the tall boy <laughs> tank himself. Hey, hey, hey. Zach Barlow. What's up, kid? What up? What up? I am Vengeance. You are <laughs> Vengeance, and you are newly 30. The dirty newly. 30. The big 3-0, you filthy bitch. I am 30. That is correct. It, is, it feels, you know, feels good. I gotta admit, I, I'm not looking forward to drinking this tall boy on a Monday afternoon after the type of weekend I just had. Um, but, Jess, what's, you what know, was your weekend, bro? Um... I mean, we went to, so everything was a surprise, and uh, I basically just kind of, Alicia told me to put on a tie, and so I thought we were going to go out to dinner, and 
we went to the Salish Lodge, which is like on the Snoqualmie Falls. And um, nice. we get there and, um, you know, Alicia pulls up to Valet and she's just like, is this where you check in for the hotel? And I was like, what? The hotel? And so we ended up going to that spa, which is honestly women's probably best kept secret. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a spa before, but my God, bro. <laughs> my God. It is just a game changer, bro. They got like... The food, the room service, the whirlpools, the we got a fireside couples massage. There was like a fire table outside of our room and just left feeling like a new man, you know. I was just like, ah oh, man, born again, you know, it just felt great. Then uh we drove out to uh Cleanelum and had lunch on, at a winery in um uh Swiftwater. Then we kept driving east to Lake Chelan where there was a house waiting for us where there was an Airbnb. And we got into the house, and then my my mom and sisters showed up and surprised me. And then they, you know, we got a boat the next day, so we were in a boat on Lake Chelan, just cruising, bro. It was, was, uh, yeah, man, it was a lot. And um, you know, I I give all the kudos to Alicia for planning like the greatest birthday of all time. Everything was a surprise, and it was a lot of fun. And couldn't really think of a better way to bring in thirty. I feel like very appreciated and loved and and respected, and so I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good, bro. That's that's fucking awesome, man. That's an incredible birthday. And and correct me if I'm wrong. Alicia's birthday was a week before yours, right? Yes. So how did you show her up, bro? Indulge us. How did you top well, that? So here's the thing, bro. Here's the thing. Her birthday was just the 28. Oh, okay. Like she was just turning 28, not 30. 30 is the big one. So okay, you're right. You're right. We got to wait a couple years before I actually pull out my big guns, but um yeah, I made a I made a video for her of like all of her friends and family telling her what she means to them. And like I like did like a you actually were part of it. You were saying something fucking stupid, Jordan. But uh anyway, Talk about um, how, was, how was your mentor and finally she took yeah, you off my sucked. hands. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. Just, and uh the truth hurts. so I put all those clips together and then I like preface it with like a like a clip of my own saying you know how you're the center of my world and everybody loves you and you're so loved blah 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 and then i played the video for her and um she cried then i got her a kitchen aid so that was kind of like the the money splash I, I feel like i couldn't <laughs> just do the video and not actually get her a gift so bro that's big though for for two eight that's a great gift too man i wasn't trying to i was trying to show you up because i know that's impossible to top that birthday gift you just received but that's a great that's a great gift and I have one, to say. one thing, one thing I don't know if you, you actually know this about me, but actually I'm a pretty fucking phenomenal gift giver. Oh, I'm pretty good at it. I recall breaking my ankle back in ninth grade and was in a leg cast and Zach came to my oh, house yeah. to visit me. And at the time I was building a Yu-Gi-Oh deck and there was and a card. It was so bad. There was a card. I was using your spare cards to build a deck motherfucker. So yeah, I couldn't you just, beat your deck. But at the time. very smart. I couldn't afford this card that was at this uh, at this card shop we wanted, and and Zach was all like nice to me and just checking on me. And then before he left, he just threw something at me. He was like, "All right, I'll see you later, bro." And it was like this plastic sheet, and I looked inside it, and it was Horus the Black Flame Dragon level eight, which was the fucking ultimate card I was looking for to complete my deck. And he just threw it at me and bounced like, "Here you go, bro. Feel better." <laughs> like a fucking boss. So yes, Zach does give great gifts, and I'm actually I'm a pretty good gift giver. I'm curious because I, I turn uh, the big three zero in three days. So are you like having a marching band come to my apartment up here, or like are you choppering in and what's that repelling? Cutting out. 
from the Can't oh I'm quite. sorry. I can go Make again. So my my thirtieth birthday, Zach, is the twenty seventh of August. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm bro, sure. I'm birthdayed out. I'm birthdayed out. <laughs> yeah, you've done enough. You've done enough, bro. But welcome back. It's good to have you on the pod. And this week we are talking the boys. Uh, we're talking the boys uh, from Garth Dennis, and it's one of our favorite comics to talk about. We did a. Uh, Volume 1 last summer, right before the release of Season 1 on Amazon Prime. Season 2 is dropping this September, uh, so we're doing Volume 2. Get some. And last last year, we drank some Tall Boys to go along with the boys, so we're having some more Tall Boys, because nothing goes better with the boys and beers for the boys. So without further ado, let's go on that beverage breakdown. Break it down again. Bro, can I... Can I talk to you about this this cup I'm about to use? So please. Normally I have here if you guys can see it. Normally I, I have like these frozen glasses that I keep in my freezer and for beer. And that's all well and good, but the thing is, is like when you hold a frozen glass, eventually the frozen glass will, you know, thaw pretty quickly with the heat of your hand. Mm-hmm. So this is a glass that is actually full of like the same like gel shit that is in your ice packs and shit. Oh, okay. And so it freezes and then it stays frozen. And then on top of that, it has this like rubber center thing where you hold it. So the, mm. the heat of your hands doesn't actually transpose into the temperature of the glass. So it's stays frozen it, on the package. It says it stays frozen for like four hours. Wow. Dude. And it makes you put your pinky out because you can only put so many fingers on it. So you're drinking fancy as fuck when you're sipping out of it. Too. Well, it depends on how big your fingers are. I have like big ass hands. You know what I'm saying? So like I got to put my pinky out. Because, <laughs> okay. like, my you know what they say about big hands? Just fucking huge. Big gloves. So what are you pouring in that big cup, bro? What do you got? What's your tall boy tonight? This, I'm rocking a Coors Light. Classic CL. And what, yep. when's, what do you enjoy about Coors Light? What's, what, when do you go to the Rockies for? Well, to be honest, I haven't had a Coors Light in a really fucking long time, but I definitely, I'd say I went through a phase, probably like early college years, where Coors Light was pretty much my go-to beer. I drank it all the time, and um, I don't know, I just felt like when I was there, I was like, you know, what would, what is, what, what does beers with the boys mean to me? And I just thought of... <laughs> the Rockies you know Coors Light I feel like I I drink Coors Lights with the boys like all the time growing up and so so you're you're, I said fuck it let's run it back you're early in college you're broke and you're sitting on your futon on the floor thinking about what does beers and I'm I'm just making bad choices bro this is what this beer like you're gonna say so what does that beer taste like and I'm gonna say dude just the worst oh we all know what Coors Light tastes like we don't need to do a taste test on that but the uh I just love the idea of 18, 19 year old Zach reflecting on what does beers with the boys really mean to me? Like that's how, how deep can we take this? So yeah, Coors Light's a staple. Jay, are you drinking a, a tall tonight or not? I am. It, it's not quite a tall, but it's a uh, Nikasi Brewing Company, the Triceratops. Oh, that's a fucking a, monster. That's a sick ass can. Yeah, it's a pint. It's one. A it's a pint, so it's sixteen ounces. Uh, well, oh. you know, it's a little bit. I, last time I got a twenty-four ounce, I looked oh, like a yeah, little this kid. One's 24. Yeah, we decided so, that what was a tall boy and what was a pint or a, a yeah. pounder, and uh, yeah, the tall yeah. boy is the big hoss. So. So I decided to just get this. Plus, it, it looks amazing. Um, it's a it's a company out of uh, Eugene, Oregon. In fact, they were sitting at Rose City Comic Con last year. I got to talk to some of the the brewmasters over there. Oh. at uh, Comic Con. So what brewery is it? Thought I would. Uh, Nikasi, N I N K A S 
I Brewing. Ninkasi. So, I mean, it's great colors. I mean, it's great. Triceratops is my favorite dinosaur of all time, so why not? <laughs> Sold. What, <laughs> kind of, what kind of beer is it? <laughs> so, it is a... Um, I had this all info down. It's a Double India Pale Ale. Oh, yeah, dude. That's going to be a fatty, bro. Crush that. I bet you that's going to be, like, so heavy. It's going to be so bitter. And is it warm or cold? Do it's cold. I know that rule. Come on. <laughs> All right. I just got to make sure. What do you get? Come on. What do you get Give down me. the hatch, bro? What do you get from the nose? You're going to hate it. That's good. No, it's It's got the bitterness, but it, I've had where I couldn't even sip it before bitter. So, this is less bitter. Hmm. <laughs> so you can sip oh, that. Dig it. You can sip that whole thing then throughout the episode. You're going to kill that. No, I don't kill anything. What's wrong with you? What's a, what's what's the ABV? Uh, eight percent. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the bitterness is eighty four. That's pretty fat, man. It's gonna do some damage. That's I'm a big excited. boy. I'm excited for it. Right on. Well, Jr. brought the biggest dick to the table this time because I'm just over here drinking a Bud Light. We got Coors Light. I'm drinking the BL over <laughs> cool here. Light and a Bud Light. Uh, we're uh, <laughs> when you think tall boys. So last year we brought some PBR to the table, uh, and August August 24th is a special day to me because it's the anniversary of my grandpa passing. Uh, five years ago he passed away, and he was a kind of the pillar of our of our family, my mom's side, and uh, a man I really looked up to. Our whole family does, and still does. And uh, his his beer of choice was was Bud Light. Man, he was a simple man. Uh, whenever you go to grandma and grandpa's, there was Bud Light in the fridge, and that was a staple of his. So I wanted to honor him by drinking a tall boy of Bud Light. So for you, Gramps, I'm going to drink six of them tonight, and we'll see where the night takes us. But uh, Cheers, Gramps. Cheers to Dale, Fioni, man, the myth, the legend, and... I don't know, man. I feel like tall boys, to me, are always, like, a pilsner. Like, I just... When, when you say tall boys, I always just think of, like... A domestic Coors, Bud Light, you know, even like a Paps PBR or something like that. Like for for whatever reason, that's kind of what Tall Boys, what what rings true to me when we talk about Tall Boys, which yeah. doesn't make any sense because Tall Boys just refers to the size of the can, but it that's just well to be culturally fair, maybe to be fair the craft the craft industry didn't really dive into the Tall Boys, so you're right the domestics dominate the market, and that's typically yeah. what you would do is buy. Five ninety nine, buy a six or a Keystone Light or Coors Light, and if they're tall boys. They'll get you there, you know. And then the craft yep. beers now, as we see with the Triceratops, finally venturing into the the market. So who knows what's to come? Yeah, they had some wine at that site too. Some wine. They had some bottled or canned wine at that that like size of can. So it really is starting to change. That's a big ass <laughs> can of wine, there. dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's like very dry. That sounds like a hangover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's our beverage breakdown for today. So, without further ado, let's uh, sit crisscross applesauce and have JR walk us through story time on The Boys Volume 2. All right. So, um, this is issues 7 through 14, it follows. So, this is after the whole 7, you know, storyline. They were able to kind of, um, the boys were able to kind of equalize themselves against those superheroes. Um, and so, you know, 
I'm just gonna name off some of the the characters. Billy Billy Butcher is the the king of kings in this. Um, he's the leader. Huey Campbell, which is uh, Simon Pegg looking character. Um, he's kind of the newbie. Or Bill Burr. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, so and he is um kind of like the the like I said the newbie. So he's kind of a, he's like surprised a lot of the times or not willing to go the length of of the rest of the team at times. And uh, he's like the then you got he's mother's the bar, milk. Like Zach like said last last episode, he's the bar. He's like the one that you relate to the most. He's he's the one you see right. the world through. Can relate to. I was gonna ask. I was I was literally gonna say. What type of character is he in a narrative? But you fucking beat me to it, Jordan. Well, you said it last. You episode. actually listen to me, bro. Good, that's good. <laughs> he is. He's the bar. Yeah, he's he's the character that measures the 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 wackiness of the rest of the world because he is normal, and he is who our audience and readers relate to because he's most like them, and he kind of gives you a sense of scale based on how fucking nuts the world around him is. Yeah, he's the Jim Halpert. Yep. Yeah. What? Jim Hopper? Halpert. Oh, Halpert. Yeah, he's Jim. <laughs> Jim Hopper. Yeah. I was like, bro, Jim Hopper's not a fucking bar, bro. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the hop? That dude's out of his mind. <laughs> Sorry, JR. Go on. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, this. So, um, so anyways, uh, there's mother. Uh, and after them, it's really kind of like, you know, each, each candidate or each uh, character has their uh, own ability. M.M., you know, is kind of like the the military kind of level headed guy. Uh, the Frenchman is kind of the gun, the gun dude. You know, goes all out, throws grenades, shoots you with a. You know, you could probably kill him with a a knife, but he's gonna kill you with a uh, grenade launcher, probably. You know, at, at some point mm-hmm. instead. Um, he's like the muscle. Bloody. Yeah, they, these guys are like the muscle, and then the female seems to be. Um, and that's her name. The female it seems to be the craziest psychopath. You know, she kind of reminds me of um, some kind of mutant with you know killing abilities, and and she's pretty pretty gnarly. So um, that's, that's the five. The girl from Logan, the movie. Like if she was raised, all oh, the daughter. Yeah, if she grew X-23. up twenty three in an even more terrible environment as her life went on, like what she would become. <clears throat> yeah, and we don't really know very much about her honestly i mean she kind of showed up in in volume one and fucked a lot of shit up and in this book she's kind of there in the background but she doesn't really talk at all and she kind of just is menacingly in the background and and i think she has powers like i think she probably is on compound v yeah yeah so she that's also something that i think we should talk about later because i have questions so if I remember yeah. correctly, and I blur the comics and the show together a little bit at times, so JR, if you catch the difference, remind me. But she was found when they were in, searching for the Compound V. Um, they were following A-Train's trail to see where the Compound V would end up. She was found at the source, and she was basically the reason they were gathering Compound V was to experiment with it on her and just like pump her full of this stuff and see what happens. And so she was basically a, a like the Frankenstein they created. And she can regenerate. She has speed, agility, strength. Like she just can punch, put her hands through you and just tear you apart. Um, so that's what I got. I can't remember if that's all comic or if that's mostly show. Um, 
I think that that sounds mostly show, but I I think in the comic she just kind of shows up at like the door. Like she's already had almost superpowers. I because she didn't she rip up the mob's face and like showed mm-hmm. up at someone's door and so yeah. that was like before. So I think she already had either some type of special ability. Um, and at that point, the rest of the team hadn't take Compound V for a while. It sounded like so. Um, yeah. It is a mystery. She is a mystery. So there's a lot of when, mystery. When you say when you yeah. say the rest of the team hadn't taken Compound V for a while, what do you mean by that? So there's kind of like a hint. Obviously, there's like a a, a pass to this story, right? And they talk about how uh, Billy Butcher has been involved in anti superhero stuff in, in for a while. Has known the government, has friends in the government. So they're kind of hinting at you know he's had something to do with this in the past. They know about Compound V. Um, and they've obviously dealt with superheroes at some point in some way. So to deal with superheroes, you, you can't be a regular person. Um, and so there must've been some type of point in their life that they took compound V at some, you know, um, and I think MM even said that he, he wasn't quite sure about how he felt about it or something like that and how he just wasn't his cup of tea or something well mother's milk was born from it we we discovered that that's right um last we, we did right. some research on the mic last year and we looked it up and he was born from it because his mom had it in her system and so he would breastfeed from his mom to a very that's late right. age and um, when he would go off breastfeeding he would get weak and so they call it that's why he's named mother's milk it's because he relied Wasn't on that it. a theory was that a theory or was that something that I mean, that's what we—that was what Google said. So (laughs) I haven't gotten that deep in the story yet, but thank you, Google. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then uh, I know that they—they did take it to keep up with the soups, and I know at one point Huey was really uh, hesitant to continue taking it. He wanted to to quit because it was changing him. Um, Right. But yeah, so they're all in the show. They haven't taken it. I don't believe. Um, No. So they're so the so they're on compound V. I think we can all we can all yeah. 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 All right. Yeah, they're trying. Right. They need it to, to to battle these soups. You know. Got it. It's like their okay. their answer. So exactly. so we have our characters. So what happens in the, in in volume two, Jr. So volume two gets broken up into two storylines. Um, it, it kind of turned. I it kind of turned into like a mystery story a little bit. There was kind of some investigating going on. Um, there was a a murder of a of a young a young man, uh, who seemed to have. Uh, either been pushed off the the uh, roof or or maybe thrown off the roof or whatever and um billy uh butcher and huey start going down his path of investigating kind of what happens to him and um and then basically that that leads him to uh tech knight which is he's been having a little a little bit of issues with his uh inner self can you I can keep you, doing this can for you explain <laughs> Uh, he couldn't help um himself. He couldn't help putting his his um. Oh, he couldn't help putting his his uh wiener in things. It didn't matter what it was. Um, there's a really oh great like ending to this like epilogue to this book, and it's where he to save the world he had to put his wee wee in a meteor coming down that looked like a vagina, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like he's like. He's like thinking and like fantasizing about how he's saving the world and how they're gonna honor him, <laughs> um, and so he fucks the meteorite and it blows up and it kills him and he saves the world and <laughs> he becomes this 
um, superhero that way. Um, but he's fighting this because he's he literally can't stop. Like it, it could be uh, his um, his sidekick, which is Lado Boy, which is a little kid Ladio. in tights or Ladio or whatever, <laughs> and he's a guy in tights or whatever, a little guy in tights. Um, or uh, if you pay really close attention, there's a watermelon with a hole on it you know on one of his ships <laughs> so um so they they lead to, t- to to him who's obviously having some issues and having some in- inner demons um to the point he, it, it was it was to the point where he was getting therapy for it and his therapist stepped out for a second and he tried to rape his therapist's cat like and his cat like yeah. sprinted out the door <laughs> like it's just bad i mean he, bad. he put his wee wee in um <laughs> his, his little his little pepper I wish you taught little, sex uh, ed, bro. <laughs> uh, his wee little, wee. Um, I can't wait for your his, first Birds and the Bees speech with your his little um, boy or girl investigative thing. tool, his microphone, whatever. Um, he put it. He he actually tried to. I sound like he tried to do his butler's ear, and the butler took <laughs> yeah. off. Right. Yeah. His butler, <laughs> his butler quit. <laughs> tried to yep. And the butler's like, I will never say this. This is a confidence. I've served this family. So if anybody doesn't know, tech, he's like a, a Bruce Wayne. Um, almost slash iron man batman character he has a lot of money he lo- you know he ha- he's built he doesn't really have superpowers at all in fact he he doesn't have strength he has everything is by his machines um he has a butler and so uh by day he's like bruce wayne or you know whatever and he's you know just billionaire and could say he has a superhuman uh, he, sex drive that could be his power he could yeah he can't stop for whatever reason didn't they say he had a tumor um, in his head or something at the end like afterwards yeah yeah they found like a he had a tumor this whole time so there's just something telling him Uh, just like turning it on like his button was always in his head yeah that's funny um so yeah he's kind of like the, the main he turns into the main focus uh because of where you know things are connected to him and his um he has like a first sidekick which is the first lado um who who turns out to um, basically, be the killer of the the young man who was thrown off the roof. He turned into Swing Wing, right? Swing mm-hmm. Wing, yeah. Which is probably the best name I've ever heard for a gay friendly superhero. Is Swing Wing? I mean, that's yeah, that's that's clever. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, the yeah, whole it's... time, this is just a play on I think Batman, right? Yeah, because you have I, Batman, you have Ladio as Robin, you have Swing Wing, who used to be Nightwing. Ladio, Nightwing. Now that's Nightwing, Nightwing exactly. <laughs> and so it's all just kind of like a parody. And Zach of, loves it of Batman. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I think my favorite part is um, just watching Butcher and like I, I imagine watching them or being in the room and like this is them having a good time about. <laughs> finding out about his problems and finding out where it started uh tech night and um you know i'm trying to you know i think that just i'm just looking at their faces they're practically smiling and giggling the whole time as they're interviewing this idiot right i mean how could you not you know yeah just like so um and uh, swing wing was the the character i mean he had this uh there's kind of a little bit of a phobia in here. There's some, some, some terms, you know, that they mentioned in in the book that are, you know, obviously probably wouldn't get away with these days. I think, you know, some terms in there. Oh yeah. Um, the, uh, the old, the, the unpopular F A G G O T word is thrown around quite a bit in this, yeah. in the story, as well as there's a, a hard N word that just gets overlooked. 
Yeah. I don't know yeah. where that came from, but uh, it was so random. Love Sausage, uh, who we haven't got to yet, just drops it in there like, what's up? And they just move past it. It's like, what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think when you're when you're reading this book, you just kind of have to know that like there the whole point crude. of it is to yeah. is to get as close to or cross the line as much as possible. Like that's kind of the that's kind of the shtick here. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, I mean there's there's yeah. threesomes in this. And there's please don't look in my don't look in his eyes. Don't look in his eyes. Please don't you know, don't look at him. Don't look at him in this as they're doing stuff together. <laughs> swing wing and talent. Well, I mean that's just tech um, night. Yeah, tech night. I mean that's tech night. Yeah. Tech night. That's not um, yeah. But it, it it it's just an idea of how crude uh, Guinness can be at um at some of these things. I mean, are we surprised the first book had an orgy with them literally killing women, the superhero, as they're doing them? So I mean, no, I wasn't surprised at all. Actually, I was kind of yeah. like, I I'll go into my thoughts later. But so that yeah, so this is like the there's like two two stories in this volume. There's this, two storylines. This, yep. this this is the first. So that's story the first line. one. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and they I, like I said, they find out that uh, Swing Wing kills the kid. Kid told him he loved him. Um, the teenage got boy man, and he basically lost it and threw him off the ceiling. Kid thought Kid that swing 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 wing was gay, right? Because of how he presented himself and like kind of like how he marketed himself. But right. turns out that he was just trying to like win that market over as a superhero, so they would like buy his comics and action figures and yeah, shit. Yeah, it was like, all about was, money for him. He, yeah. yeah, it was all about money, and, and he that's all he cared about, and he got like pissed that the kid actually thought that he was and essentially killed him. Right. It's like Lance um, Bass like claiming he's not gay. You know, it's like the, mm-hmm. the icon of the, the community just like behind closed doors, like, nah, it's just a, it's just a front. Is Lance Bass the icon of the gay community, though? It's just the first name that came to mind. I'm sure there's others. <laughs> Lance Bass, dude. That's so random. I don't know. Every little That's thing so I do. Random. I think if there's going to be an icon, it's going to be Ian McCullen. Who is, uh, name Mac one Peter. better. I don't fucking know. There's a lot in the gay community. It's just Andy Cohen. Ellen DeGeneres. Andy, okay, Ellen DeGeneres. Andy Cohen's the head of Bravo. I mean, he's, he's up there. You know? uh, Magneto. Uh, he's a pretty important person. Uh, Michael Ian. Fassbender. George Takai. No. Ian McKellen. Oh, um, oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Gandalf. Is Takei, George Takei, is he, is he Takei. homosexual? Yeah, George Takei. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, his husband is amazing. I met his husband, and they were super, super nice. Yeah, but Lance Bass is bigger than him. No way, dude. Oh, it's Are not, you fucking that's not serious? Okay. I'm not saying he They're should tripping. be. I'm not, not okay saying say. he should it's be. He's not bigger than George Takei. More people kidding? know Lance Bass than George You're Takei. You're tripping, bro. Absolutely not. How I big do you think the nerd community fly. is, Zach, Convert, com- compared to the pop culture community? Bro, I feel like NSYNC is done and over with. Like, they can't, you can't name, like, there's Justin Timberlake. And JC Chavez, and then the rest of them. Like people Chavez. don't. You know JC. You know, know Lance Bass. He was the second best guy on the f- band. Everybody knows him. Those, those like, frosted <laughs> tips, though, bro. Those frosted tips separated himself. He he, he branded There's himself. No way, bro. There's no way he's bigger than TK. All right. We're, yes, let's get back. I thought saying it's uh, right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, this is the kind of discussion we get into because of Guinness. Feels so good to get Guinness. back. I love how you call him Guinness. Garth Ennis. Guinness. It's Guinness. <laughs> I don't want to say Garth. It's Guinness. <laughs> Party on, Garth. 
Yep. All right. So what's in the second um, story? So the second story, they it's kind of um, it's all related. So it's not like it stops and then all of a sudden it's just a random story. It's continuing to to go down the path of supers being regulated, supers being checked in. So um, something's happening in Russia. There was a guy who came out to Russia, a, a superhero who wanted to be a super villain, came out, proposed that he's going to take over the world, and his head blows up. Kaboom. Goodbye. No mas. Uh, whatever that is in Russian. I don't know. Um, and so uh, Butcher and the team get wind of this and fly over to Russia uh, under the guise of the government, but they can't admit to it, right? CIA is a little bit involved. Keep this to mm-hmm. yourself. Um, but go see what's going on. Something's weird going on. Mm-hmm. So you've got the uh, Russian mob. You've got this weird little person, um, lady who likes to fiddle herself uh, quite often. Nina. Um, Nina, and uh, you have the team <laughs> in cold Russia with. Uh, I guess. Herself, bro. Yeah. Fill herself and else. puts his wee wee in things. I love it. <laughs> It's a mechanical wee wee. All right, it's battery. It's charged Mechanic- with a battery. Battery, battery powered. Battery powered wee wee. Battery powered wee wee. Um, yeah, and and they again, it's another investigative story. They go down there to figure out what's going on, and it it's it's it, it basically it's a big old conspiracy with the U.S. government, the Russian mob, who's going to take over. People double double cross each other. Um, you miss <laughs> you miss uh you mentioned um, well his name is uh Fasali for. I can't say that's uh, Vorsiskin, but he is actually called what, Jordan? The Love Sausage. The Love Sausage. And uh, I never understood that until I got to... <laughs> got the visual? <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, until they actually made it like prominent, <laughs> I guess is what you should say. <laughs> yeah, um, always packing. And, uh, always packing. And so uh, they're entwined in this story. And basically what's happened is they've given Nina this power to create superheroes, but they put a timer on it to and basically like a trial run and see how this compound works. And um, they, got, they were blowing the people's heads up every time pe- someone got out of control. Um, and they, the, the boys blow that whole scheme up. I mean, they go and catch, they figure out who the mob, what mob bosses are in there. That's where, uh, I can't. The sausage guy loves Love sausage. sausage. <laughs> call him Voss. They call him Voss. The boss jumps down and he he can't. They end up in a strip club and they can't. He can't seem to run because he That's got his boner. That's yeah. his weakness. All his blood flows through his sausage. He's paralyzed. Paralyzed. Um, they blow Nina up. Um, how they blow Nina up, special, Jr. Uh, with her special tool. That's better. It's better. Has batteries to give it power. <laughs> the battery-powered um, wee wee. They put a bomb in it. A battery-powered wee wee. Um, and just for good, yeah, they put that in there for good measure. <laughs> Goodbye, Nina. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Billy Butcher move. Exactly. But he I justifies it, was, it. it. He justifies. He does. He's like, what? They told me to put it in the cockpit, but that would just blow up the pilots. And then the just to kill Nina was blow up Nina, so the pilots can have a chance to land it, and they did. So yeah, <laughs> as ruthless and brutal as it was it it worked yeah um they really went all out on this one i think they had i think um i think ennis had a fun time writing this these stories um 
I mean, there's a lot of brutalness. There's a lot of violence. People get the crap beat out of them. Yeah. Quite yeah. often. A lot of that shock mm-hmm. factor. So, it's, a, it's a Garth Ennis through and through. Zach's favorite. He loves that shock factor. He thinks shock value is yeah. the, the, the epitome of writing. So I can't wait mm. to hear his opinion. Too uh, high. But yeah, so that that's that's essentially volume two. And it's, uh, it's a whole different story from volume one. I thought it would be a continuation, but they revisit mm-hmm. volume one a little bit later on as far as I understand. So I'm very interested yep. to see what the show what happens with the show? So uh, let's move on. Before we go into Craft or Trash, and we can just do a tease. Z, do you have a beneath ink for this one? I forgot to ask. Yes, I do. All right, cool. So before we go into Craft or Trash, uh, let's dive beneath the ink with Z and feel the heart of the show, or heart of the story. All right. Um, so for this uh, episode, I wanted to do a deeper dive on essentially I had one question after reading this. And that question was who is Garth Ennis? And so I'm going to do my best to answer that question right now. And you guys feel free to ask any questions and jump in whenever you want. Okay. Garth Ennis grew up in the outskirts of Belfast where he claims the distribution of comics weren't very high, so he had very little exposure to them as a young person, specifically American comics. He was not a comic book fan growing up. His favorite comics growing up, though, were European comics, specifically um, 2000 AD, the Judge Dredd uh, series. He attributes his lack of exposure to the American comic Golden Age with his unique perspective on comics and superhero stories now. It, he quote, This is a quote. It's kind of like religion. I think if I would have been exposed to the American comics at the right age, I would have been just like everybody else. So he thinks he was different. He has a different perspective on things because he didn't get hooked on American comics during the Golden Age. When he was introduced to those comics, he was older and kind of had a different perspective. Instead of just worshipping these heroes, he kind of just... Maybe he was a little bit more more critical of them. We'll Mm -hmm. we'll revisit that a little bit later. Ennis's first breakout in comics was a graphic novel called Troubled Souls. Um, it's a very serious, political, and somber look at the struggles of growing up in Northern Ireland. Pretty much the opposite of like the, the tone that he has now. It's like super serious, super political, and it actually got pretty successful. Um, but he decided that he didn't want to be known as like the serious political writer, and so he ended up going into like a more of a um, I don't want to say comedy, but kind of. I mean satire Less, yes it's satirical satirical approach to things um ennis is very public about what he calls his disdain for organized religion um the writer of preacher he also wrote preacher by the way um once wrote a book that was ultimately pulled from production about an irish religious zealot who goes around burning um churches to try to force a confrontation with god um, Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, he, and what what he tells the story of what happened is he wrote that book, and um, one church leader got a hold of it and then sent it to like all the other church leaders in Ireland. And he says like a couple weeks later, it got pulled from every shelf and like it's not allowed to be out again. And um, dude, we yeah. gotta get anyway, that here's, book. Yeah, here's a couple quotes for him about his feel his his view of on religion. Growing up in a province where people are fighting. Oh, wait, no, no. This is his, his answer to the question why he hates organized religion so much. Growing up in a province where people are fighting a religious war, 
which if you're an atheist doesn't make any sense at all because it's people fighting over how they worship their imaginary friend and they're killing each other over this it's ultimate it's ultimately miserable business so then i dove a little bit deeper and i was like well what the fuck was he talking about so in 1998 there's a there was a war in northern ireland called the troubles and essentially um it's a it was a violent sectarian conflict from 68 to 98 in northern ireland between an overwhelmingly protestant group who desired the province to remain part of the united kingdom and then a roman catholic nationalist group who wanted northern ireland to become part of the republic of ireland so basically it was kind of a civil war in the late 1900s and it consisted of like sniper fire bombings guerrilla warfare like pretty brutal shit like 3000 people died 20 40,000 people were were injured from it and he grew up like right in the middle of that so like it when you think about stories like preacher you're just like oh because he fucking hates religion <laughs> bad like he's very open about it too he fucking hates it um Ennis actually ends up becoming a writer uh, for the same 2080 franchise that he claims uh, were the first comic that he fell in love with. So he actually wrote for Judge Dredd for a while. He had a stint with D- Judge Dredd. That's dope. He, he believed that um, the, his stint with Judge Dredd was the worst shit he's ever done. Um, he says it's some of the worst work he's ever done. He feels like he was uh, too much of a fan when he got the job and although he greatly appreciated the opportunity, he lacked the perspective to really get into the character and come up with something new. He was too in awe of what had come before. And I think that's fucking sick to think about because, um, I never really thought about what it might be like as, cause I think comics, the comic industry is unique in the sense that oftentimes if you're a successful writer, you come across characters that have a history and you kind of have to, position yourself within that history one way or another and in this kind of quote Ennis is very open about how he fucking did a he thinks he did a shitty job at that like being in awe of what came before as opposed to like not necessarily disregarding it but at the very least just kind of doing your own thing and not trying to like adhere to the the history of the character I think made it so he didn't like what he did I didn't read his Judge Dredd but I mean he doesn't make me want to. He's not, he's he fucking bags on it pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, he's not selling it too hard. Yeah. Um, and this believes his work on the Punisher is some of his best work, and he feels a lot of that had to do with his lack of familiarity with the history of the franchise. Here's a quote: "While I wasn't as interested in the minutia of the history of the character, there was enough there as far as background that allowed me to find my way into the character. I just don't think I ever had that with Dread." pretty fucking cool to hear how he thinks about like writing these characters with history. Yeah. Um, and it feels like his career and his ultimate legacy will be based on his singular belief that comics as a medium can do absolutely anything, which is cool. And I think it's kind of, you can see that line um, through his work as we kind of go through this. Um, Garth wrote a book previous to the boys called the pro that he claims was a precursor to the boys in ideation uh, although less serious, much more um, kind of silly. And the, pro- the prose about a prostitute who gets superpowers by an alien called the Viewer. She eventually joins a parody of the Justice League and fights wacky villains. So it's actually pretty, <laughs> pretty similar to The Boys. Um, didn't get as popular as The Boys, obviously. Um, the pro, at this time, he was working for DC. And the pro kind of ruffled some fe- feathers at DC, but it wasn't like a huge, huge thing. Then The Boys came out. 
And the boys came out, and um, he st- Ennis still doesn't know exactly what it was, but something within the first six issues of the boys caused enough of a stir at DC um, that he was contacted and immediately fired from the company. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> and it's funny to hear him tell the story because he says, the way he tells it, he says, yeah, you know, I don't know. I still to this day don't know exactly what it was, but I do know it was within the first six issues. So, I mean, honestly, take your pick. There's so much fucking shit. Has to be the initiation. In the first six issues. Has to be, right? When Starlight blows Uh, the the seven? Dude, when what? When Starlight has to blow the seven to get in? I feel like that has to be it. That might be it. I mean, that's an interesting poll. When I first saw this story, my first thought was when, um, fucking, uh, fuck, what's his name? Alpha Speed. What's his name? A Train? A train when A train <laughs> ran through that girl and it blew her up. Like I thought, <laughs> the very that, first like, that was the scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like that was just a scene when I was like, if I'm a because here's the thing about about this. This dude works for DC, bro. He works for DC. He's a writer for the Punisher. He's he wrote for Dread. Like he's he's a part of this machine that he's fucking just roasting right now. Like like just without any regard. And as he's working for them, he's releasing this shit and they're reading it like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this is clearly like a bad look for, for superhero comics. And so anyway, so he got that going. He he has some words about this. Um, in a way it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. It's really been one of the greatest moves of my career because trying to finish the boys at DC under the restrictions that we had to, to put up with there would have been a disaster. Whereas at Dynamite, which is his current publisher, an independent company, there are no restrictions at all. It's also been a great, uh, great to get away from the big two. One of the first people I met in the business was Alan Moore. And he said to me, own what you create. Don't let them do to you what they did to our generation. And that's a lesson I took to heart. And the move to independent comics has really made that so much easier. Oh, God. So Can you imagine the Alan fucking Moore? conversation between those two? <laughs> Dude, I mean, I guess they were homies, bro. They have to be. Like I, they're both yeah, pessimists. they're like friends. And Alan Moore is like a mentor to him, and they have those types of conversations. And it's funny because Alan Moore worked for DC when he dropped Watch Watchmen, right? And, and I mean, everybody Joe. knows how. Yeah, yeah, and everybody knows how Alan Moore feels about you know DC and even the Watchmen franchise now. Like he thinks they're fucking, they stole it from him basically, and they kind of did. I mean, see, that's, I don't know. That's they kind of did. I don't get it by that, but DC they take these risks on these clearly darker writers and they put out this in, ingenious work and then they pull the plug. It's like, if you're going to take the risk, own it, you know, like these guys have different opinion and they have a different point of view and it works. And I know yeah. they have this corporate structure they have to worry about and this branding, but like, don't take the risk in the first place. You're not going to stick with it. But yeah, I will. I just don't think that like the, the decision makers at DC have full visibility into like what's cooking in every room. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then like it, it gets to a point when whatever was cooking in that room, you know, starts fucking circulating and then you see it and it's after the fact. And then you have to make a call because I think that if they did have that level of visibility and the company's too big to even ever expect that. But if they did, I'm sure they would stop the boys from ever happening if they could with Watchmen though. Um, I think they may have had an idea of what was happening, but I mean, Alan Moore just, basically said this that's it like that's the story there's nothing else and you know don't do anything with it and dc was like uh bruh are you kidding me like this is a whole world we can fucking keep making money off of forever and ever and ever (laughs) and so 
kind of a different thing, but still basically DC trying to own um, like a property that a writer created and originated. But the funny thing about the boys um, is that when um, Ennis was fired from DC, uh, DC gave him all rights to the boys, like off tops. Oh, they shit. Just, and, and Ennis thought that that was going to be a war. Um, and Ennis believes that Jim Lee, who's like a big time artist and, and like big decision maker at DC, um, was kind of the guy that was like, no, nah, we don't want to. We don't want to be those guys. Just give them his fucking rights to the story and let's just get it out of here. So a lot of the reason why we are able to continue to read the boys from Dynamite and also watch the show is because somebody in D.C. fought for Ennis to keep the rights to the show when they could have just crushed it. Well, here's the gym. When they fired him. Cheers to you, Here's the gym, bro. Dude, good looks to Jim Lee. That's huge. Good looks, good looks to Jim Lee. Yeah. Um, last quote from him. Um, he was asked, and I thought this was super fucking interesting because we're doing the boys today. What do you have against superheroes? And uh, this is his response. Superheroes themselves are not actually worthy of anger or hatred. It's the luck the genre has on the industry. I would love to see more diversity in terms of genre. I would love to see more crime comics, war comics, romance comics, kitchen sink drama comics. I'd like to see European approaches taken to American comics, and I'd like people to get out of that mindset when they begin writing a story. Maybe they'll start out, start out doing a crime story, but they'll eventually go, and then the guy finds a magic ring, and that helps him defeat the mafia. <laughs> that sort of thing. Wherever if they started in another genre, the superhero thing is never far away, and that kills me. So it's not the superheroes themselves, it's the lock they have on the industry. And I just want to like stop there and ask you guys what you think about his take on superheroes in the comic industry. Um, well, I'll go first because I'm sure JR has a <clears throat> more articulate answer. But my, my thought is that that's going to happen when they have repetitive stories of the same character. Like the one thing that we really enjoy about comics is that you can dive into different storylines with the same character and different writers will take it in a different direction. But how far do they actually really take it? Like, Spider-Man's never been... Peter Parker's never been a psychopath. Like, he's never really been the darkest motherfucker out there that will just crack skulls and kill people because it's what he wants. It's, it, there's a brand to each character's image that they have to maintain. So there's a limit to how far they can take it. So I, I agree that there are restrictions, um, especially when he calls it the big two, between Marvel and DC. There are restrictions that you can work... There, there are guidelines you have to work along when you're writing, and that eliminates the the extent of your creativity so i think that he has a point but i also think or and i should say i also think it encourages more creativity like if you don't want to be a part of the cog or a cog in the machine that is marvel or dc then step outside and create something new and that's what he's doing that's what alan moore did and that's what a lot of people are doing especially like at image like i mean we have the Mark Miller, like, like we love him because of his creativity and his, his new ideas. Remender, all those guys. Yeah, Remender, like, there's that's what we get excited about, and that's, I think, who he's encouraging. You don't have to go dark and, and you know, uh, shock value and all that stuff like they do. That's their style, but they are different. But you can be different in so many different ways, and I think that this is encourages that. So I, I think I agree with him. Yeah, um, you know, I think there's... Uh, there's a lot of content and i think that i mean it's hard because spider-man is supposed to be spider-man i don't know what you know what are you gonna do right that's spider-man i and i think 
maybe when he wrote those quotes, maybe at that time it was less and less about uh, more and more about superheroes. Um, and now as we read stuff, it's we see a lot more fantasy stuff. We see a lot more, um, uh, you know, the under underwater welder was a good example of just kind of these this crazy, you know, stories. And um, you know, I. I I love my superheroes and I and I hate there's certain ones I hate but I uh, um I don't exactly agree with them. I do agree that you can to, I think an easy route is to to make it a superhero or a character have superpowers, right? When you're writing a story and you're thinking about so okay, how can I get from this point to this point and 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 how can I make that happen? And a lot the easiest way is to well, let's give him some powers or let's give her some powers, right? Let's give her to to solve this in a certain way instead of um, pulling back and breaking it down from maybe you know from the beginning to the end or from the from the end to the beginning and to create that storyline and I I understand that concept um, but you know Spider Man and 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 Superman and all these characters are iconic for reasons they started off as independent characters as well right I mean they weren't they're the first of their kind that just lasted to these to this day um and i respect that that's you know that heritage and um yeah i mean I, I like your take jordan if you want to see some different content go do it you know what i mean go make it happen and then if you don't then yeah. shut up um yeah i mean i i think that i hear what you guys are saying um I think that I I guess I go back to Ennis's point, his like kind of universal truth that he lives by, and he believes that comics can do anything. And I think what he means by that is that as a medium, as an art form, um, it can deliver any type of narrative and any type of story and give any type of experience. And it's and it's it's even better than movies in a lot of ways because you're able to understand. Um, psychology and like internal dialogue and thinking which in movies that only be is facial features which are often missed and books are great because you can get that internal but they're kind of slow and comics are that happy medium and with that I think they can deliver a lot of really meaningful narratives and I think that I've changed my view on the shock value of this story <laughs> yeah because I think that at first I thought, oh, yeah, this guy's just trying to fucking, you know, make you go ooh and ah on, like, towing the line. And that, I definitely think that there's a lot of that that he's doing. But at the same time, what I, what I really think he's doing is he's essentially kind of writing an expose on how superheroes are bad for business, like, overall. As in, like, there is, to be locked into this, this big two market um minimizes the impact that the medium can have overall. And I hear you guys, but I think I respectfully disagree in the sense of, well, if you don't like it, just go do something else. Because I think that the opportunities are with where the money is. And I and, and you you mentioned Alan Moore and you mentioned Remender and you and even Ennis. They all worked for the big two at a certain point. They had to, right? Because that's what you have to do. I mean you, you to get to the level they're at you have to work for the big two and be really fucking successful. And then you can start to do your own thing. You can't just, I mean, you can, it's never impossible, but the cards are definitely stacked against you. If you don't want to be like the next Spider-Man guy or the next, 
Judge Dredd guy or Punisher guy or, you know, whatever. I mean, that's kind of where the opportunities are. Or you want to be the the copy editor for that guy until you can finally get a call. Like, I feel like, you know, so I see where he's coming from. I love superheroes. Obviously, Batman's my shit. Um, so I'm not saying superheroes are trash, but I do say, I do believe that the industry and the medium of comics can be more if they weren't so dominated by the big two and the market wasn't so saturated with these heroes that we've been following for generations. Yeah. That's some real shit. All right. Well, let's let's take that energy and let's let's review our our thoughts and opinions on this one. So <laughs> let's let's dive into craft or trash. Uh, Jr., how about you start us off? What are your thoughts on volume um, two? Volume two, I'm going to give a, a seven point five. Um, I I like the fact that it was an investigative kind of story mixed in with his craziness of violence and um, surprises. Uh, and uh, I definitely was surprised. I definitely laughed. I smoked through this. I mean, I read it so fast because um, I enjoyed it. So uh, I think it's a definite solid 7.5. Um, and like I said, as we go through this, as the years go by on this, you know, we've we've given eights and nines and we're starting to reserve those for, for masterpieces, I think, these days. And um, it's not quite there, but it's definitely, I, I want to read more. I was excited to read from the last section and I'll probably keep going um, because it's, there's a lot of story in this. There's a lot of books of this, of, of the boys out there. So yeah, there's plenty to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll go next since Zach just did all the talking. Um, I gave it a six. Um, so both, both are crafts so far. Uh, I was a little disappointed with volume two and I think that it's funny because if you listen back to volume one, me and Zach opposite sides of the track, I'm all about the preacher. I'm all about this, the explosions, like the, the shit, the weird, the, the, uh, the shock value as we called it. And Zach was like, thought it was just cheap entertainment and volume two. I kind of came to Zach's side. I was like, dude, this is just like relying on that. Like they honed in on how often tech Knight was just looking at dudes asses and t- tights for like every panel he was in. Like he just wanted to fuck everything. And like, they talked about that for literally five issues and like he's turtle heading, like he's about to poop his pants and like, he's talking about it and describing it. And then he shits on the floor and it's like just stuff that's unnecessary, but it's shock. You know, it's different. It's fresh. Like I, I kind of got a little irritated with it. I was like, this is, this is what Zach was talking about. This is what I don't, I'm not a big fan of. And I, I hate to say it, but I missed the seven. I thought that the the whole mystery of like who did what, who killed this person, like I wasn't as bought into it as I would have been if there were like I it was mostly a uh butcher and Huey story. Like even Mother's Milk and and, and female and, and Frenchie, they were barely in it. I mean they came in more so in the second half when they went to Russia, but it was like this investigative story and like I just I felt like it was kind of boring for the middle part of it. I think they had a good beginning and ending, but the, the plot line dragged on a little bit and there were some funny quirks here and there, but I, overall I was, I was not as into it as I was with the first season. And it's funny to hear Zach say now he's coming on to Garth Ennis and, <laughs> and starting to enjoy him as I start get, kind of getting weird, weird off. It just seems like there's a given. I still don't like the, I, I still don't like preacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I still do. My, my I still opinion do. On that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I didn't hate it, uh, but I definitely, I missed the seven. That was my ultimate thing is like I missed the, the characters he created in the first volume. And I feel like the characters in the second volume 
with Tech Knight and and uh, uh, and Nina, they just, they just didn't carry the same weight. So, uh, let's go to Z for the conclusion. Z, where are you at? Um, I gave it a six point five, and the reason why is because I, although I stand by everything I said in Beneath the Ink, I I do feel like I understand what he's trying to do, and that give, makes me give more respect to it. Um, if this was an anime this volume to me would be filler or fluff episodes to me. I feel like the story is there. And I think that um, like JR kind of uh, touched on, there's a ton of fucking volumes out right now. There's like 15 volumes or something out right now. And so this is a long story and um, there's going to be a larger plot and it's going to, I think be awesome. Like I think this anime is going to be dope and I'm interested but I think what happened in volume two is we just got caught up in filler. We're never going to hear about Nina again. Tech Knights died. Like, it's like, it's kind of just, you know, fluff. It's not, I don't think any of this is going to add to like the major plot line, like volume one did with the seven and all of that. They're probably going to eventually revisit that storyline and those characters. And when they do, they're going to push that plot forward. And that's going to be what matters. But in the meantime, it was just fluff and it was fine. You know, I didn't hate it, but I kind of recognized it as like, oh, these are just kind of one off random stories about the boys and their adventures and so you know it just kind of didn't feel very impactful to me overall okay yeah i can respect that so that leaves us at a 6.7 which um i think rounds out volume two i think volume one was kind of game changing volume two was kind of like a more in-depth detective style attempt but i agree with zach i think it's a little bit of filler and then volume three, I'm excited to see what comes. And I think that my biggest concern is how this impacts the show. Like what's volume two going to be on Amazon. And from the trailers, there's much, there's still involvement with the seven. So I am intrigued to see how they go off that. If they just completely over, over, overlap volume two, if they do a little bit from umbrella Academy and kind of tie the two together, pull some characters from here, pull some storylines from there and make their own. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how, how, how it plans out. But, uh, 6.7 is what we got for volume two, and I'm still very excited for volume three and the show. So um, with that all being said, let's go to plugs. JR, anything you want to plug before we close out here? Um, yeah, just uh, one, uh, one thing to mention, too, about this, the boys, is um, the book is hot right now. Number one comic book, uh, the first issue, um, it jumped up to about 100 bucks, you know, 90 to 100 bucks. But it, it'll probably come down as soon as the show comes down. So people out there go get a copy. Um, you probably get it for fifty bucks. I know half price books was at a hundred. Um, Action City had it for fifty. Uh, they're up to seventy right now. But um, it's kind of one of those books you just want to have. I I think in your collection just is to have the very first issue. Um, and uh, I just wanted to plug that. And obviously, you know, comic book stores. We've got. I bought a lot of comics last week from different stores around the country. Um, I got this from. Um, uh, uh, Midtown Comics in New York, right? They got mm -hmm. and they totally. Oh, nice! Uh, they sick. shot us a, a a nice little uh spot on their story. You What's know? up, so Midtown? Was, yep, Midtown Famous Comic Book Store. Um, shout I, out. Yep, and I did um, uh, Street Level Heroes in uh, LA, another comic book store. I bought this variant, which is their their variant to their store. So if you if you take this book out, it has their name on the back of it. Um, as their it's called a dress trade story. So, um, shout out to Street Hero Level or Street Level Heroes in LA. 
and then we just we're doing we're gonna do a giveaway um, Golden Apple Comics in Hollywood uh, was a very first comic book that I remember going to as a kid uh, buying my first Spider-Man my dad taking me there uh, we just bought um, two sets of variant covers with uh, Venom standing over um, Spider-Man with a WWE type of belt um, and uh, so shout out to Golden Apple Comics I mean they just emailed me say twice saying hey thank you for ordering we love you know um, so they got really, really good um, team over there, and uh, can't wait to give that away and and promote Golden Apple Comics in Los Angeles, Hollywood. So that's my plugs. Awesome. We just took a, a step through Jr.'s childhood of what what comic book stores he enjoys, what comic book stores he's still buying from. Support local comics changes lives. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome, Jr. Uh, Z, anything you want to plug before we head out? I just want to plug this glass because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it's still frozen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> One hour in. Look at that. Nice. Those, these beads of frozenness right in there. Look at those massive and it's been hands, sitting, too, that are holding that And glass. it's been sitting next to this uh, this candle this whole time. I know. I can only fit like two fingers on it. those hands are freaking. fucking huge, dude. Jeez. All right. So Zach's plugging his, his glass in his fingers. And I just want to say uh, thank you so much for listening. You can always find us at Hop Heroes Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and we got the pull box promotion still going. So if you want to plug us, put a shout out to us, rate, review, whatever, just send us a direct message uh, showing you did so, and we'll shoot a comic to your doorstep. So thank you so much for listening this week, and we'll catch you all next week. Peace. See you later. I am vengeance.